0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. The series going to continue today is joyful, a generous and content life. And we're up to week three. We have one more week to go. We're looking through the book of Philippians. We're doing a quick survey. Uh, Philippians was written by a man by the name of Paul, and he was an incredible apostle. And he found himself in prison, quarantined and isolated, much like the world has been right now, quarantined and isolated. And he wrote this particular letter in order to thank them and to encourage them, to thank them for their generosity and to encourage them to keep their joy in the midst of their struggle. You see, they were living in a Roman stronghold. In other words, get this, you'll love this little bit of a dad joke. Philippi was a Rome away from Rome. You see what I did there? You like that? Home away from home, a Rome away from Rome. And their loyalty was to Caesar. And Paul was reminding them to remain loyal to another king. We have another king and His name is Jesus and we need to remain loyal to Him. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, he starts by writing this. He says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again and it is a safeguard for you. I love these words. Paul says this, he says, Rejoice. Why? Because joy, get this, you need to write this down. You can write this down if you're writing taking notes. Joy is a choice. In other words, to rejoice or rejoice, we need to rejoice. I'll say that again: to rejoice, we have to rejoice. Every day, you and I are faced with choices. I heard it said once that you'll be exactly as happy as you decide to be. And Paul is saying that you and I need to make good choices. And better than that, we need to make God choices. You see, he reminds us not only to rejoice, but where we should rejoice in, and that is in the Lord. In other words, we're not to rejoice in our circumstances. Sometimes circumstances are real easy to rejoice in. But let's be honest, there are plenty of things that we face that it's really difficult to rejoice in them. And so Paul is saying, let's not rejoice in the circumstances because they change all the time. But let's rejoice in the one constant in our life. And the one constant in our life is God Himself. It's God Himself. And it's important that we continue to do this. Why? Because we need to stay joyful and hold on to our joy in the midst of tough situations. And Paul's so committed to this church, he says this, he says, it's no trouble for me to write this to you again And again and again. Maybe some of you parents out there can relate to this when you have to remind your children again and again and again. And maybe you can't say it like Paul did, it's no trouble. Maybe for some of you, you're struggling right now to remind your kids, have you done your homework? Have you put out the bins? Have you done the dishes? Have you cleaned your room? But Paul is saying, as a doting dad, hey, it's no trouble for me to write to you the same thing again because I want to remind you, because it's for your benefit. He says, it's a safeguard for you. In other words, Paul wasn't writing these things because it benefited him, but because it benefited others. Much like when we as parents help our children with their homework, it's not for our benefit that they need to do their homework, it's for theirs. We as parents get no benefit from doing your homework. Children, listen to me, the parents don't get any benefit. It's for your benefit that you do the homework. And so I stand with my brothers and sisters who have young children who are at school. Please do your homework. The subtitle of my message today would simply be this, if you're taking notes, choose it or lose it. Choose it or lose it. Now I realise as I say that, that is easier said than done. But let's be honest, anything worth something is always easier said than done. If you take just your physical well-being and, and, and you, you want to d- decide to get fit and you decide to go to the gym, th- that's not hard. You just got to go to the gym. If you want to get fit, just go to the gym. That, that's pretty simple. That's pretty simple. But let's be honest, it may not be hard, but it is hard work. And, and anything that is worth something has hard work attached to it. See, to rejoice is to rejoice, as we've already learned. But I realise That can involve hard work and it involves good choices. And in order to help us further, Paul goes a little deeper with his advice and his instruction. And I want to read a big slab of scripture right now and we're going to break it down and look at what Paul is saying to the Philippians back then, but how that applies to us some 2,000 years later. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3 and we're going to read from verses 2 right through to verse 14. Paul says this, and he starts out quite strong. He says, Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Paul goes on to say, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul says he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, well, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But he goes on to say this in verse seven, but whatever were my gains to me, I now consider them lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake... I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which through faith in Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. In verse 10, he says, I want you to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. In verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Can we pray together? Because this message is so powerful, and I believe it can transform our life and help us to make good choices in order for us to keep our joy in spite of our circumstances. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that you would anoint my words and that you would help us to hear and see what the Spirit of God is saying to us. So I pray that our eyes be opened and our ears would be unblocked to the incredible truth of your Word today. I pray you'd help me share it and that we'd be changed and transformed in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Well, today using Paul's words, I want to look at four choices that we need to make in order for us to keep our joy. And when I say keep our joy, I mean in spite of our circumstances, not because of our circumstances. As I mentioned before, it's really easy to be joyful when things are going well, but I'm talking about having a joy when things are not going well. I'm talking about a joy in a pandemic. I'm talking about a joy in a crisis. I'm talking about joy in isolation. I'm talking about joy in lockdown. And I believe it's possible because that's what we saw Paul experience when he was in isolation, when he was in a jail. And can I remind you, these jails were not pleasant places to be. These were horrible places to be. And yet Paul was able to find joy in the midst of his circumstances because he was a man who not only made good choices, but he made God choices. And so the first choice I believe that you and I need to make is that we need to choose our battles. We need to choose our Battles. You see, some things in life are worth fighting for and others, not so much. For example, and some of you parents out there may be able to relate to this. uh, I was never gonna argue with our children about wearing long pants in the middle of winter. To me, that is just not a fight worth fighting. If they're not cold, then I'm not gonna make them put on long pants or even a jumper for that matter. Because if we do that, we're going to be fighting battles that we shouldn't be fighting. And ultimately, we're going to lose our joy. So when it comes to kids wearing long pants or a jumper in winter, I'm not going to fight that battle. But I will fight some battles. When it comes to them being rude to one another, and particularly when they were much younger, whenever they were rude to one another or they started fighting or saying some horrible things, I would always intervene because to me, that was worth fighting for. Because if you lose that battle, you lose a lot. When you let your kids get away with being rude, when you let them get away with fighting each other, and God forbid they'd say something nasty about mum. I mean, that was, that was a dark day. That was when a little black cloud would come over our home because that was not a good day to be one of the kids in the rainbow household if they said something rude to their mum. I mean, boy, watch out. Why? Because if we let rudeness and we let those things go unchecked, it's gonna suck the life out of and suck the joy out of that family. So there are some things we didn't fight. Why? Because it's just a waste of time and it's gonna rob you of your joy. But there's other battles we did fight because if we didn't, it would suck the life out and rob the joy from the family. And I believe this is true in church life as well, not only in in our families, but also in church life. You see, for me as a pastor, I'm not going to argue over contemporary worship versus traditional worship. Many, many people over the years have argued over this. And, and uh, when drums were introduced in the church, maybe some of you can think back that far. And oh, it was like, wow, the, the devil's in the building because drums were there. To me, I just don't think that's, that's worthy of, of fighting that fight. If, if you like contemporary music, worship Jesus to it. If you like traditional, uh, quieter music, hey, as long as we're worshiping Jesus, that for me is not a battle worth fighting. But I will speak up if you say that you've got to speak in tongues to be saved because I do not believe that is a biblical truth. And I believe that's worth addressing. And this is what Paul is doing. He's addressing this very thing. He's addressing the religious people that were saying that you had to be circumcised in order to be saved. In other words, they were adding to what Jesus had already done Basically, they were saying what Jesus did was not enough. They wanted to add to what Jesus did. And I'm here to tell you what Jesus did is more than enough. What Jesus did for you is enough for you. We don't need religious people adding things to your burden or adding things to your load. And Paul was so upset about this. He calls them dogs. And and I would not say try this at home. Don't don't go home and use that language. You'll get in trouble. But Paul was so mad. He called them evildoers and and mutilators of the flesh. I mean, this is very strong language. And I believe he's very strong about this because it it causes confusion and ultimately it robs people of their joy. They were religious killjoys. Maybe you know some religious killjoys, people that steal your joy. They're like soul vampires. They they suck the life out of you. They they, they just suck all the goodness out of you. And I believe that's why there's so many miserable Christians, which which is so sad. We as Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet because we always have an answer. Even in the midst of a pandemic or crisis like this, we have an answer. We should not be Miserable Christians, we shouldn't be people that look like we've been we've been baptized in vinegar or and our face should not look like the back end of a cat. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe you just get a cat and lift its tail up and you'll know what I'm on about. You know that kind of just that kind of purse, kind of lips, and just like just it's not a good look for Christianity. You see, their joy had been stolen. John chapter 10, verse 10, which is one of my favorite verses of scripture. It says that the enemy comes to do a few things. He wants to kill you, he wants to steal and he wants to destroy. All the good, all the life, all the godliness, all the joy that's in you, he wants to kill it, he wants to steal it and he wants to destroy it. That's his sole purpose. He wants to make your life miserable. And unfortunately, there's so many miserable Christians that we can change that if we make good choices. John 10 verse 10 goes on to say, but Jesus came, that we might have life, And have it to the full. Have it with a capital L. Life to the max. And I believe this is the kind of life that Jesus wants you and me to have and experience no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation. I'm not just writing this pandemic out. I'm not just waiting for it to be over. I'm believing that we would be bigger and better. We'd be brighter and better as a result of this pandemic. And I'm believing that for you and your family. I'm believing that the things you learn about yourself, the things you learn about your family, the things you learn about uh, your circumstance and situation would change you for the better in Jesus' Name. Amen. But to do that, we've got to make good choices and we've got to guard our hearts in order to keep our joy, We've got to guard our hearts. You know, it never ceases to amaze me that when we leave our home, we lock our home. When we leave our car parked in the car park, we lock our car. When we leave our phone alone, which is very seldom, but when we do, we lock our phone. We don't want just anyone going into our phone. We don't want them seeing those messages. We don't want to see people seeing those pictures. We we, we don't want that. We, We lock our phone. And yet when it comes to our heart, we just leave it wide open. And I want to encourage you today to make good choices in order to keep our joy. We need to guard our heart and and that may look like staying off social media. Not now. Now's a good time to be on social media watching church. But there are some things and some people that, that you shouldn't be following. They're just not good for you. You know, for me, Social media right now is a necessary evil. I love it and hate it. There's so much good out there and there's so much bad out there, but you might need to guard your heart in this season. Just like we guard our car by locking it, guard our phone by locking it, guard our homes by locking it. Let's, Let's remember to guard our hearts. We're talking about making good choices in order to keep our joy in Jesus' name. Secondly, we need to choose to see loss as gain. You see, Paul had a great reputation as a scholar and a religious leader. And when he became a Christian, he lost his high position and he lost his reputation. And his response was not, poor old me, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? No, 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 his response was exactly the opposite. He realised that he gained so much more. Why? Because he got God. He lost his reputation. He lost all those things and yet he got God. I know for me, 2016 was, was much like that. I, I lost lots, but I remember thinking back with fondness over 2016 when my health was in jeopardy and, and we lost our youth pastor and there was a number of things that we lost during that year. But I remember being at the end of it saying, you know what I got? I got God and that means more to me than anything else. When you get God, you get everything. And that's what Paul was saying, that less is more. It's called addition by subtraction. It's one of those paradoxes of the Christian life. If you want to go up, you've got to go down. And sometimes if you want things to be added to your life, God's going to first take some things away from your life. The Bible calls it pruning. I remember as a young kid watching my dad go out into the garden and uh, prune our roses And and, and when I say prune, anyone who knows my dad and knows his temperament and personality, it was more like a massacre. When dad would finish with with our roses, they were unrecognisable. I mean, they were just these little stems left. And I would think, boy, I think dad's blown it this year. I I don't see how those rose bushes are gonna survive that. But it always amazed me. uh, as, As the next year rolled on, we had more roses than ever before. And they were bigger and more beautiful than the previous year. See, I believe things need to be cut off our lives in order for us to have some gains in the future. See, backward steps aren't always negative steps. We always want to move forward and there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes in order to move forward, you've got to take a backward step. See, I believe that life is more like chess than it is checkers. In checkers, you only move your pieces forward. But in chess, we have forward movements, sideward movements and backward movements. And I believe our lives are more like that. It's not always about going forward. Sometimes we have to step aside. Sometimes we have to step backwards. Other times we have to step forward. And so our life is more like a game of chess than it is like a game of checkers. And maybe you've lost something recently. Maybe you've lost a job in this season. Maybe you've lost a relationship. But I love this thought. Of Jim Elliot's, this incredible quote. He was a missionary who ultimately lost his life serving Jesus. And he said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I love that thought. And that comes straight from the heart of Paul, and it comes straight from the heart of God himself. And this crisis has taught us, I believe, that less is more. And it's in this season, I believe God is peeling off the layers and removing things that we didn't need to be there. And He's adding things to our lives. And He's adding things that have a soul value. See, they may not be more money. Some, some people are being blessed. Some are making more money now in this season than ever before. And they are receiving the blessing of the Lord. But for you, it may not be monetary gain. But I believe God is working and adding on our soul. And, and He's giving us a greater prayer life. He's giving us greater perspective. He's increasing our faith. So let's remember when God adds, let's be prepared to uh, go to Him to find out exactly where He is adding to things in our lives. In actual fact, at my Live to Five, this Wednesday, I'm going to be speaking to Pastor Scott from New Zealand. And he's going to be talking about maturity of the soul. And I'd encourage you to dial in on that one because he's got some incredible wisdom around this particular subject. So that's going to be an amazing time. That's Wednesday Live at Five. We're talking about making good choices. Number three is choose your priorities. Verse 10, choose your priorities. Paul says this, he said, I wanna know Christ. He's focused and he prioritised his time and his attention on his relationship with Jesus. Instead of focusing on his cell, instead of focusing on his situation, instead of focusing on his circumstance, he focused on what was most important to him. And what was most important to him was his relationship with, with Jesus. He said, oh, oh, I want to know Him. It's much like the dating process. The reason we date is because we want to get to know the other person. And we desire to spend as much time with them as possible. Many of you would know the story of Kath and I, we started dating from the age of 14. And I'll I'll never forget, I had the fireworks. If you didn't have the fireworks, I, I got nothing for you. But I had the fireworks. She had even more fireworks. And uh, there was was lots of fireworks and and we just wanted to spend as much time as possible. But because we were young and she was at school and I just started working, um, we we, we had to kind of uh, space our time that we could be together. So we we had two moments in the week that we could be together. And one was Saturday night at roller skating. And I wanna tell you, when I was at roller skating, I I didn't hang with my friends. I didn't wanna hang with my family. I just wanted to be with her. I just wanted to make the most of that time. Why? Because I wanted to get to know her. And then mum and dad let me have one Tuesday night where I could speak to her on the phone. And this, this was not the season that we live in now with mobile phones. This is me having a landline that was attached to the wall with a cord and it was in the living room. So I was, I was saying, well, my I love you's and how was your days in front of my whole family. It wasn't very intimate, but I just wanted to make the most of that time just to get to know her. And most of the time we'd be on the phone just saying nothing. Going, you talk, you talk, okay, you hang up. You hang up. Some of you, some of you remember those days. It's like, you hang up. And, and so that was, that was the way I got to know her. That, that's the dating process. And, and Paul's prayer, we see this when he writes to the Ephesians. He says, I, I pray that our eyes would be opened, that we might know Him. And not only know Him. So if you don't know Jesus today, my prayer is that you would get to know Him. But if you do know Jesus, I would say this like Paul, that you would know Him better. See, the dating process is all about getting to know someone, but marriage is about getting to know them more. It's about getting to know them better. And for the last 28 years, I've been married with Kath, and uh, we've got to know each other more and more and more and more. And it's my prayer that you would get to know him if you don't know him already, or you would get to know him better if you do know him. And it's my prayer that people would use this time well, use your pandemic well. Week one of this pandemic, when everything was started to be shut down and we could no longer gather together as a church, Kath and I sat here on stage in our couch and we uh, said a message around not wasting your pandemic. You see, I believe this is an incredible time where we can either have an encounter or we can use this time as an escape. And I believe, and it's my prayer, it's my heart, that we would use this time to encounter God to experience Him and not just escape the harsh reality of that which we're facing. Let's not just use this time to binge on Netflix. If, if all we get, if all we get from this pandemic is a few series under our belt, we have wasted this time. But if we use this time to, to seek His face and have a God encounter, this is time well spent. Paul says, I, I, I wanna know Him. And, and I not only wanna know Him, I wanna know Him in His power, and his pain. See, everyone wants to know him in his power. We want the signs, we want the wonders, we want the raising of the dead, we want all the power stuff. But Paul says, I want that. I want the power of his resurrection. But I'm also prepared to have the pain of his suffering. And, and, I, and I wonder how many listening today want the power, but, but not the pain. If we are going to know him, it's to experience both the power and the pain. And I, and I say, hey, let's, let's have more. We need more of the power of God. Let's, let's be honest. I'm believing revival along with the next pastor. We need the power of God more now than ever before. But no, with the power, there does come pain because suffering is attached to anything good and anything great. And the cool thing about suffering, and I don't mean to be morbid, but, but suffering for Jesus is a way of us living out the story of Jesus Himself because Jesus Himself suffered. Fourth and finally, We need to choose the future over your past. See, Paul had a holy dissatisfaction. At least that's what I call it, a holy dissatisfaction. He says, I've not already attained all of this. In other words, Paul was satisfied with Christ, but he wasn't satisfied with his Christian life. And I believe there's too many Christians, they are self-satisfied because they compare their walk with other nominal Christians instead of trying to be the best version of themselves. Jesus died for you that you could be the best version of yourself. Let's not compare ourselves to other nominal Christians, those that have settled, but let's press on. Paul says, forgetting what is past. Now this word forgetting is an interesting one because he's not talking about a failure to remember. Some of you still remember the pain and the hurt of being let down and being betrayed and being abused. I I get that. Paul's not talking about forgetting it, but what he's talking about, he's talking about no longer being under the influence of that thing, no longer being affected by our past. We might remember it, but we're not affected by it. We can remember it, but we live in the healing of it. We live in the power of His resurrection and that thing doesn't touch us anymore. And I believe Jesus is wanting to get us to a place where we can forget In other words, we're no longer under the influence and we're no longer under the effect of our past. We're not a hostage to our past and we're not defined by our past. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that no eye has seen, no ear has heard the incredible works that God has for us. And so to this end, Paul says, I press on. In other words, I follow after. It's like an intense endeavour, much like a hunter pursuing his prey or an athlete chasing victory. Arnold Schwarzenegger was asked about how he trains. He says, "When I train, I I, I visualize my arms as big as mountain tops." That's what he said. It's crazy. I mean, he was, he was passionate. See, Paul not only had a holy dissatisfaction, but he had a holy determination. As did Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He endured the pain, the blame and the shame. Why? Because He saw us some 2000 years later, living in the joy and the peace of what He achieved on the cross. I believe with all my heart, church, the best is yet to come. I know we received some bad news about unemployment this week, but I believe with all my heart, the best is yet to come. I believe if God is for me, then who can be against me? Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.